Oh, I get it. Welcome to the podcast. In it through exist to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim. And my name is Marshall. And Marshall is giddy and ready to go. I, I am. Yeah. I snuck that in on you. No, that's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. It just means, you know what it means? It means I've got, I've got surprise thing to talk about in this oh, episode fun. for you. I like surprises. There you go. We, we have plans for today. <laughs> sure. Let's, yeah. We. Big plans, Tim. We have not been able to get ahead of the game. Like there was a point when we were podcasting, like in 2020, mm-hmm. 2021, mm-hmm. when everything was locked down and there wasn't much we could do. When we were like, we're this is kind booth. of interesting because this <laughs> podcast isn't going to actually air for a month. <laughs> this one's due today. Yeah. And we have vacations that are interrupting mine or yours or Alex's mm-hmm. for quite a while. Mm-hmm. The goal today is to record three. Yeah. Back to back to back. That's right. We're going to do this. I'm pretty excited. I have a coffee. You don't even have a coffee. I finished mine, and then there was nothing left over from Mom's Yeah, there is. That's where I got this from. What? And mine's got, mine's got butter in it. Okay, tell you what. Have you ever done that? Oh, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, did, uh, I was into this thing. It was like a coconut oil, special coconut oil thing that you'd like whip into the coffee and kind of frothed it up a bit. But it's supposed to be, the fats were supposed to be like really good for your both your brain and your metabolism. Yeah. But uh, I don't know if I have any more. Probably got lost when we moved. Anyways, I'll get a coffee after this first episode. Yeah. Because we're, I'm going to need a two-minute breather between hour-long episodes. <laughs> also, also, because of our interns claiming seating, which is fine because, I mean, they deserve chairs. Mm-hmm. I am... I am not sitting in a comfortable chair anymore. This is mine. My butt's going to need a break. Mine's after. exponentially more comfortable than usual. It's <laughs> the one who came into my office. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Okay, yeah, it's it's ten o two. Pray that God would send pastors to Quebec. Mm, amen. My phone's going crazy in my pocket to remind Love it. me. Love it. All right. So, the first one. The first one. Yeah. So I think just like a, as a quick recap, because we've been we've been working through this kind of this uh, evolution mini-series, mini Darwinian evolution mini-series. Things that we've kind of addressed so far are, you know, questions of like the spontaneous origins of life, this idea of a single common ancestor, uh, the idea that fossils are going to tell us the whole story. Um, we talked about like, does it make sense? Is it understandable that like systems are going to randomly get more complex mm-hmm. like you're gonna get brand new creatures from more simple ones um so these are we, we've hand, we've we've covered a lot of ground but today we're gonna kind of talk about like a like big level thirty thousand foot i mean we'll we'll drop we'll parachute in to, to talk about some things but we're really talking about micro and macro evolution yep and this is another one of those topics that sometimes you'll hear brought up in discussions and you'll have the scientists roll their eyes and go oh that that Christian thing again. Right, because he mentioned microevolution. Right. right. It's like and a so, buzzword. It's a and buzzword. so it's, it's oftentimes going to be dismissed mm-hmm. out of hand. Um, what, I, what I find generally happens in those instances is it's not followed with an answer. Mm. It's just dismissed. Right. Right? And so, uh, yeah, you might, you might decide to search this topic online, and you might see someone who's just like, all right, well, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right, um, and and even get a little frustrated with it. I, so today, really, what we're going to talk about is not just like absolute debunking, right? No, because no. because in in addition to being pastors and theologians, we're also the greatest of scientists. Yes, yes, um, yes. That's not the case, and so we're not here to just sort of like debunk and be like, see, right? This is why we know everything. This is the nail in the coffin. No one can ever say anything. The point is to say these things can't be dismissed, and there are really profound questions. Mm-hmm. And the Christian who uh, is being challenged in their Christian worldview mm-hmm. has a, every right to ask these questions mm-hmm. of evolution yeah. before 
we just take evolution as the cold standard that everyone just needs to get over and move on with. This mm. is the baseline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think here's the thing too, like just as, as people who are aware of our surroundings, we can look at like the animal life and the plant life and whatnot around us. And we can, we can look at that and say, okay, well surely there's, there is some degree of change that happens mm-hmm. over time. And right? if change happens over time, there's a word for that. Yeah. It evolves. Yeah, it's called evolution. And just a quick rant right here. Okay. Because we believe that evolution comes against the creative order of God in a way that uh, is very essential mm. to who God declares himself to be in Scripture, mm. We've also become scared of the word evolution. Sure, yeah. And I've heard the word used rightly in circumstances that have nothing to do with Darwinian biological evolution Mm -hmm. um, and just seeing Christians flip out and be Mm -hmm. like, you can't can't use that word. I think it's because like over time, evolution has come to describe not not just a theory of biological change, but a, a worldview, like a, a, a metaphysical understanding of how all things came to be mm-hmm. that stands in stark opposition to the biblical narrative, right? Like it's, it is, it's presented. And so I think uh, the reason why some Christians might, might get their backs up just hearing the word is because it's presented and sometimes by the secular side as this is the answer to do away with God. Right. Right. So, that's not entirely tr- well it's not true at you know on a on a kind of a reality truth level mm-hmm. but it's also like not really what the word means cuz the word as you just said things changing over time evolution that's yeah. what it is and so your own thinking can evolve of course right yeah you started off liking one thing mm-hmm. as you tried other things you're like oh hey you know what mm-hmm. i realized that i didn't like that thing as much as i thought i did and i like this more yeah so yeah. So then, so if we're going to differentiate between the micro and the macro, so micro, what we have to think of when we, we're talking about micro evolution, we're talking about changes that occur, especially when we're talking about it in, in regards to like the biology of, of animals, let's say, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of at the species level, right? right? It's, it, it's, so it's, it's changes that occur to groups from within a, a particular species mm-hmm. or kind of yep. animal, right? Um, whereas macro happens above that level. So what you're talking about, not only does a population of a particular you know, mammal or bird or fish change slightly over time, but they change into something that is entirely different. Yes. Right? So that's, that's kind of, that's the micro and macro. Right. For people who are just kind of wondering what, what it is, right? So like, here's the thing though. Microevolution can have like significant effects. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like Great Danes and Chihuahuas. Now that that's that's no, that's not naturally occurring. That is like that is artificially. That's an artificial thing because human beings are like selective breeding. Mm-hmm. But but through that process, right? Through that process, you've got massive differences between Great Danes and Chihuahuas. Same ancestor. Same. Same species. Do you think there's going to come a time when we have to reevaluate whether or not we would call that artificial? Mm. Because it is selection by a natural process. Mm. Breeding is still a natural process. Sure. But it's, it is selective right. and intentional. Right. Um, but the way science has come into the manipulation of genes right. and DNA right. in such a way... Um, maybe, <laughs> maybe trying to get a labradoodle from a lab and a doodle, uh, will no longer be what we classify as artificial. In fact, I, I would even ask the question now, would I consider it artificial? Like, yeah, I don't know. It's a pretty natural process. Yeah. Um, yeah. just a, just a side. Yeah, right? no, no, that's, that's, that's an interesting, that's an interesting observation. Yep. Yeah. As language changes and technology changes. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. So in, in Darwin's like origin of species, like what he was claiming is that if the environmental conditions were right um, or wrong, I guess you might mm-hmm. say, you know, shaped in a particular way, then you could get a group of bears. He literally says you could get a group of bears that would have slowly changed into whales. 
And at the time when he said that in his Origin of Species, a lot of people who read it, this idea that bears could have turned into whales, like it was not well received. Like they, they laughed at him. Really? And yeah, and he even actually removed that claim from later editions of his book. Because people were like, surely not. Surely bears didn't turn into whales. But, <laughs> but now, the prevailing theory amongst evolutionary biologists is not that bears turn into whales, but these weird like wolf pig things were what turned into whales. Wolf pigs. Wolf pigs. Like, and I'm, yeah. Like, you look up a picture of it. Uh, yeah, I've got some descriptions of it that we'll get mm-hmm. to later. But that, so that's the idea. So that's that's macro. We're talking about, yeah. You know, we're not talking about wolves getting smaller or bigger or whatever because you know some live in the desert, some live in the forest, some live in the Arctic. We're talking about something totally different. That is macro. Yeah, and, and to be honest with you, like to a degree, there's there's such a level of implicit de-evolution that takes place in those kinds of scenarios. We can talk about those scenarios maybe a bit later. Um, we'll, we can repeat ourselves a little bit because we have the grace of even though we're talking mm-hmm. the same thing over and over again, everybody else hears this a week apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at some point in those evolutionary processes, if they are taking place in the way that they're being described, you have an animal who has really pretty solid land capacities mm-hmm. as in its bareness and some pretty solid water capacities in its transitioning into whaleness. At what point is it advantageous to stop being able to use your land capacities and to limit yourself only to the water? Oh, yeah. So at some point, you're arguing for a transition that is no longer advantageous for living because now you've limited the number of places you can live, the kinds of foods you have access to, and those kinds of issues. And yeah. so there's, I, I, I get where you, they could see... A level of transit, but but at some point, you would assume super animals, right? Right. Omnivores that are, have capacity for land, air, and sea. Right. Because <laughs> why lose any of these features? <laughs> Where's the benefit? Yeah. In? So so like this idea. So this this theory, because I've got a bit of stuff on on whales here, because it's just. And I'll, I'll explain why in a second, because it, it really ties into this micro macro thing. And, and if you could be a pig wolf, why would you choose to be? A I whale? know. So okay. So here's the thing. In the 80s and 90s, a theory was developed that whales evolved from land creatures, due to the discovery of some fossils that seem to point, at least to some people, these things seem to point to a transition from a land creature that was this like weasel hippo pig thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or wolf pig thing. Weasel badger. Like it just, you got to look at it. You got to see now, pictures of it. It's like, it's the, a funky looking thing. The thing is bother. The thing that's really bothering me <laughs> is that even, even if you throw back to our own episodes about the origin of life. Right. Right. And I'm, I'm not one to get like ranty laugh at the opposition kind of a thing. Right. Mm-hmm. But this is frustrating <laughs> because when you look at like origins of life and the soup and everything, where does it all begin? Mm. In the ocean. Mm-hmm. And they crawl out from being these whale-like things onto land yeah. and become land animals. Yeah. But now we're just going to pretend like that wasn't a thing <laughs> and it all happened on land and now we're moving back to the water. Yeah, I just, and, yeah. and I just... I need more answers. Okay, so so here's the thing. So Jerry Coyne, who was an evolutionary biologist who wrote the author uh or, sorry, who was the who author of the, the author. Bo- who wrote the author, who was the author of Why Evolution is True, which is a book we mentioned in a previous episode where they have like the pictures mm-hmm. from like the dinosaur to the chicken and then inside the cover say, We don't actually know if this is true. <laughs> right. <laughs> On the cover of a book called Why Evolution is True. Anyway, so he said that because whales live in water and have very large bones, they represent one of the best examples of evolutionary transition. So when we're talking about whales, we're talking about this is the, this is the ace mm-hmm. in the hand of the uh, Darwinian evolutionist, right? And let me just briefly here give you a bit of a, this is, this is kind of how, what, how, they, how this is laid out, okay? So it starts with this like raccoon-sized animal called Indohias, and then followed by a wolf-sized creature called Pachycetus. This is supposed to be about 50 million years ago. The creatures, these creatures, as they, as they evolve, become totally aquatic within 
10 million years. That's what, that's the, the story. Okay. So 10 million years is, is, is pretty quick mm-hmm. to get from wolf pig badger thing to a whale. Okay. Now, one of the things is that at least according to where these fossils are found, some of the descendants are supposed to be older than their ancestors. So this is something that happens when we're ta- when they're trying to kind of find these like answers for macroevolution is sometimes they'll, they'll, they'll create, there's the narrative of, okay, so it was this creature, then this creature, then this creature and, and this kind of sequential order. Mm-hmm. But then they start finding fossils in the wrong place where they're not supposed to find them. Because again, uh, these paleontologists are supremely confident that they know exactly where things should be based, you know, in the levels of rock based on how old they are. But then all of a sudden, sometimes these narrative gets flipped. So this is something called chronological inversions or ghost lineages, right? So they just like, they don't know. So for example, that little feathered dinosaur that you see a lot of pictures of that looks like a rainbow demon chicken, it's called Archaeopteryx, is supposed to represent a transition from dinosaurs to birds. But then they found fossils for that creature that are actually much older or supposed to be much older than the dinosaurs that it's supposed to be descended from. So mm-hmm. there's a transitional there's a transitional issue. Um, and the other thing with this transition from the pig, bear, beavers into whales is that the intermediate creatures, so those which are supposed to be between them, aren't necessarily intermediate in the way that we think. Okay. So here's what I mean. So we would assume we would assume when we hear intermediate that that would mean I'm intermediate between my kids and my parents. Mm-hmm. So my parents are the grandparents, my kids are the grandchildren, and I'm the intermediate. Sure. But what scientists mean when they look at the fossils, when they say that a creature, they believe this creature is intermediate, is that the skeletons have features of both, and so they just slap them in between, and they assume the ancestry based on common features. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily because there is some like airtight you can watch it happen. Right. But just like, oh, that thing looks like a manatee. Mm-hmm. So a manatee would be, you know, if you're looking for something half between a, like a hippo pig, a whale, wolf, and <laughs> whatever else. Yeah. I, I keep throwing out these funny things just because like it's, it, it's, it's what it is, right? So, so you just, you find a skeleton that says, oh, that seems to have features that are a little bit like this and a little bit like that. It must be in the middle. Let's create a name for it and let's, let's plant it in the, you know, in the chronology in between, because that's the only way we can really make sense of this, this macro evolution thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, so basically it would be like looking at a room of children mm-hmm. and guessing which parents they belong to, except that that's way more fine tuned. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because, because you can do that in some ways. Like you could, you could look at Miriam mm. and you could be like, no, she belongs to Lindsay. Yeah, for sure. Right. Uh, hang out with Lindsay long enough, you realize like they look alike, they act alike, all these kinds of things. They're very much alike, mm-hmm. right? Anna Lee and I are very much alike, mm-hmm. right? We were having this conversation the other yeah. day, uh, just me and the kids driving down the road, and Caleb was like, but I can't figure out which one of you I'm most like. Right. Right? Because he is a, a different character in that he doesn't, in, in the, to the degree that the other two very much look and act like their parent. Mm-hmm. Caleb isn't like strange or a complete outlier, but he also doesn't fit directly into the mold, mm-hmm. right? And so it would be easy for someone to go, well, these two, obviously, this one might belong to another family because it's hard <laughs> It's right. hard to match, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lindsay and I are both pretty low-key, mm-hmm. and Caleb's pretty not, Yeah. right? And yeah. so maybe... Maybe they would just be like, well, maybe there's a more high-strung option right. that Caleb belongs to, right? <laughs> and so this notion of just taking like common features, like mm-hmm. this is where we were, I think we were talking about this last time, right? Like the three-pronged, the three toes with the spur mm. that birds have is like one of the strongest arguments for lineage from Tyrannosaurus rex okay. and raptors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, three toes? Yeah, I don't know, man. It's a pretty low bar. It is. That, I think that's the best way to put it. It's, it's a low bar, and and in some ways, 
in some ways the bar keeps getting lowered and lowered all the time. Mm-hmm. When you say, okay, but we're looking at, at skeletons, and in some cases, in most cases, portions of skeletons. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of these features are imagined mm-hmm. and assumed onto the creature oh, yeah. based on what we know. But if we're going to argue that over billions of years these things have changed, why not the way that fleshy tissue is carried on a skeletal system? Right, sure. Why does that have to remain common to mm-hmm. what we might expect to see on an elephant or a cow or a bird or mm-hmm. whatever now, mm-hmm. right? So what we have is a skeleton with imagined features, mm-hmm. even if it's mm-hmm. a very intelligent imagination, mm-hmm. right? Still imagined features, and then those imagined features imagined onto a transitional feature, mm-hmm. right? And at some point, you just got to be like, this is fiction. So I there's a there's a funny little meme floating around that uh, had the picture of a, a the skull of a hippo. And uh, and you don't when you take all the flesh off of a hippo skull, it is terrifying. So what hippos, they, hippos are scary. Yeah, yeah, hippos kill people like crazy. Hippos are way more dangerous than sharks and bears and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So, anyways, um, but they did like the, so in in this like meme or whatever they were showing. There was a, the joke was they had an art artist representation based on finding that skull, and oh, yeah. it looked like a dragon. Like it looked like something out of like a sci-fi fantasy you know kind of thing. And then they showed like what what the hippo actually looks like, and it's like this cute face, right? And so that's kind of what happens, right? You find some bones, and a mm-hmm. lot of times we have to keep this in mind, and we'll talk about this probably well probably over the next couple episodes still. Um, but like the you got to remember the skeletons they find oftentimes are partial skeletons. Yeah. They're, they're finding partial remains and then es- extrapolating from that this whole new creature. Um, and then, you know, and then, you know, it's rendered artistically in this like super cool, intense way, you know, in the midst of this like jungle, whatever. Right. And, but like, but that we don't gives, know. That's an incredible thought though, Marshall. What if, what if all of these scary dinosaurs that we throw up all the time mm-hmm. have maybe scary skeletal structures? Yeah, they got big teeth. Or but something. on the outside, they look like those Thai babies that are at Canadian Tire that no one's buying with the huge, <laughs> the huge eyes and these big fluffy smiles. And they were just like the cutest things. And then they smile at you, and you're like, oh, and then they smile, and you're like, oh. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, but, why not? But, like, essentially, like, a lot of these skeletons, like, they're, they're, they'll, they'll, they'll be a, a skull bone that is, like, very similar to an animal that we currently have, but might be slightly deformed in some way, mm-hmm. or shape, whatever, or seem to be sm- a bit smaller, a bit bigger. And mm-hmm. from that, they just assume this is an entirely new species. This is a mis- This is a link between something and something else. And so now we're going to, you know, bring an artist in because we have this like piece of a skull and we're going to draw this like elaborate animal and place it somewhere in the chronology. And yeah. this is how this works. Right. And, and I'm not saying that like, here's the thing. I'm not suggesting for a moment that this is, being done nefariously necessary. I'm not trying to assume nope. bad motives on people, but th- people are kind of running with things far quicker than they should, right? So you find some fossil that looks like it fits somewhere between the, you know, the rodents of unusual size mm-hmm. and free willy. And you're like, boom, that's the link. That's how you get the, you know, the, the pig wolf thing to, uh, to, to a whale like yeah. you can't you just like that is kind of what's happening because people are assuming this is the case um yeah and, and, they and find it, yeah and and again to not only do i want to make sure that i'm here to say with you this is not just because people are out to get yeah right it's not an as you said nefarious thing um i i would go further and say they're not uneducated guesses mm-hmm. right if people sure. are listening to us oh, and they're yeah. being like Tim and Marshall are trying to suggest that scientists are stupid and they're just basically cartoonists right. that are right. just... Invi- no, I, I know that they're looking at these things and they're able to find, you know, where where ligaments might have attached, mm-hmm. you know, muscles to the bone. And, sure, and they're, sure. they're using a level of understanding that I don't have mm-hmm. to recreate mm-hmm. these things. Sure. I, I am fully aware of that. I think I think the thing that happens, and this is 
common for human condition across the board. So this can come off of uh, poking at scientists for a while, and this can just apply to every one of us. Oh, yeah. Sometimes in our pride, we become too quick to claim that we understand a thing we don't understand. Mm -hmm. And we plant our flags hard, and we react when people challenge in a defensive way. Mm -hmm. Maybe because we have reason for the position that we're holding, Mm. and we think that that reason stands. Humility goes a long way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is a lesson that I've learned the hard way in my life. Mm. But just being able to say, I think maybe, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. Right? And, and, And that's hard to do because it's hard to publish that book. Right. It's hard to sell that to the academic journal. Right. It's hard to get a speaking engagement mm-hmm. when you say, I don't know, but, yeah. but maybe maybe we just need to be less eager to be crowned expert right. And, right. and just find ourselves in a place where on all sides and across the board, and this is, this is just becoming a social rant in, mm-hmm. in general, just find, find some peace in being humble mm-hmm. in it. And, mm-hmm. and to be honest with you, what I have found as God has like wrestled me into a corner where I have no choice but to do this, mm. um, it's actually a point of greater confidence mm. to be able to say, I don't know, maybe mm-hmm. these are my thoughts, but I mm-hmm. could be wrong, mm-hmm. than it is to just be like, no, no. Yeah. No, I'm right. Leave me alone. Yeah. Right. And a lot of like even over history, like a lot of Christians have kind of fallen into this too. Right. You think about like, you know, the use of like of things like relics throughout Mm -hmm. throughout the Middle Ages and stuff. Like, we found this piece of wood, and it's you know this is the piece of the Holy Cross, and this is a thing, and we're like, and and, you know people get all worked up, and they they fall for it because it's something that aligns with an understanding, like a faulty understanding that like these like physical objects had like spiritual power in them. Or even like more recently, like, you know, Oh, we found Noah's Ark here. Oh no, it's actually over here. Oh no, it's actually over here. Mm -hmm. Right. And everyone gets all hyped up about these things without actually like, you're just excited because you found something that might be affirming something you believe in. Yeah. You're hoping your faith doesn't have to continue to be faith and it can just be seeing, seeing it tangibly. Absolutely. And that I think is kind of what's happening in, in the world of paleontology is that, they are so they're so certain that like this is how it, Darwinian evolution is the way that it worked that they're just as soon as they find something that like that fits into that they're like yes we got it right like, right because what happens to my entire ethos if it's not right yeah. right I, I think so when you were when you were doing that I was just prepared to step in right where you wrapped up to say this is about affirming my position mm-hmm. and and this is why it happens in the church right if we're going to take all of these wood if you're going to look at it and be like that's not a, a wooden piece of the cross there's a degree to which a person who has been really clinging to this is going to say but if this isn't it what is mm-hmm. and if you say there's not then they're going to be like are you trying to tell me the cross didn't exist right right right, right. and 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 that's the that's the point of trying to fill in the gaps and trying to make concrete what is no longer or never has been in some instances, mm-hmm. such as I, I would say the instances of evolution and change and these kinds of mm-hmm. trying to make abstract things concrete mm-hmm. is always going to be a frustrating thing. Mm. Um, and it's always going to leave holes. Right. So again, I, I think we're just going to keep saying this at nauseum. The whole point of this is to say there are too many questions yet to be answered for us to say, we need to accept this. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. our point, in some ways, is just to keep raising what we believe to be mm-hmm. sound questions against not only evolution as a conclusion, mm-hmm. but the process by which they came to that conclusion. Right, yeah. You know, like, because here's the thing, too, when it comes to this, the, the, the macro evolution, like the changing of one species into another. We talked about this already, but it was a couple weeks ago, at least. Um even adding, so for example, so the narrative is 10 million years from these land creatures to whales. But that's not enough time by, like, by the standards of the people mm-hmm. who are promoting these views, right? 10 million years is barely enough time for even just a couple beneficial changes. 
to happen randomly or even through like a natural selection process, yeah. right? It's it's not enough. That is not 10 million years. And this is, there are secu- the secular scientists saying this. They're like, this narrative of like the evolution of whales, like this is out to lunch because it's just, and these are people who even believe in evolution are saying that narrative doesn't work within our own understanding because that's not enough time. Like, right. And, and And the reason for these shifts is mm-hmm. always pressure to survive. Right. Food chains, mm-hmm. temperature shifts, yep. those kinds of things, right? Um, if those things happened over the course of 10 million years, mm-hmm. species would not even feel the pressure. Right. Right? There's right. no pressure applied over the course of 10 million years. Right. Right? right. right. It, so if the reason they're going to the water is because temperature is slowly changing, mm-hmm. then there's not a, a shift enough to be like, oh, water is the relief. Right. But generally what they're going to say is food source, okay. right? Available food sources, mm-hmm. right? If what you need to eat is not available to the point that you have to, in desperation, leave what is your natural habitat, mm-hmm. you don't have 10 million years to figure, to figure this out. <laughs> I know. Right? Yeah. And... And, and and even even when they're saying like well you're you're talking about a specific generation but it's those who have the capacity that have the to to feed off of other sources that have the capacity to reproduce and mm-hmm. that is still if that's the factor mm-hmm. it's going to happen much faster it has to happen faster than ten million years mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so the the crux is in on one hand it has to take place pretty quickly yeah I, I would say within hundreds. Mm-hmm. or thousands of years, yet it can't take place even within 10 million years, Yeah. right? And so there's this huge wash in the middle, this chasm that just can't be bridged between yeah. the two. Yeah, because like 10 million years to go from like legs to tails, to have a totally different muscul- musculature system, to develop blubber as a thing, right? Uh, changes in the reproductive organs because you, species are going to be mating and giving birth in the water, totally different teeth, flippers instead of arms, right? So like, again, blowholes, right? So you could, if you were to tell me, okay, over millions of years, right, these, these animals that like got forced off the land and and started swimming more and trying to catch fish, like, you know, the ones that had more webbed fingers survived better because they could Mm -hmm. swim better. And suddenly, you know, like, I, like there's, there's a part there's, there's, there's okay. Sure. Like there, there could theoretically, I mean, if we're to give, to give some credit where it's due, like that, that's possible. Like there are some changes that could have happened or, or certain individuals with certain characteristics did better. But, but even 10 million years is just not, not enough. Not enough for the full on macro change. No. And, and even with that, we're still talking about physical shifts, mm-hmm. right? We're talking about a change in the construct of the exterior. We're not even talking yet about chromosomal change oh yeah dna shifts mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and and at some point you're going to have to have because varying species have different numbers of chromosomes and different mm-hmm. chromosomal makeups mm-hmm. right and so we have to go not just from hey my legs are kind of fused together mm-hmm. and so i swim well mm-hmm. to i've got a different chromosomal makeup <laughs> right yet I'm still able to reproduce with those who have what would have been common to my ancestry yeah. in a chromosomal makeup, mm-hmm. which usually, by and large, a mutation that is a chromosomal shift also brings with it sterility. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but, but let's presume it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm, I'm able to reproduce with them. Our offspring have my common chromosomal issue mm-hmm. Um, and then what, then there's benefit in incest because we also see that that produces even amongst, Mm -hmm. amongst most, especially mammals, we're Mm -hmm. talking about whales, Mm -hmm. it's going to produce negative outcomes Mm -hmm. and not positive or even lateral outcomes. Yeah. Right. And so I feel like it's a house on sand. Yeah. Right. And, and I know... I know that that 
listeners to this who are going to hold to evolution, and even if there happens to be someone out there listening to this who has no relationship with the church, mm-hmm. maybe they're into science, and they're just like, let's listen to these numbskulls <laughs> pretend like they know science, right? Right. right. Um, who wants to look in on this and be like, the purpose, the, the reason you're acting this way mm-hmm. is because you believe in a God in the sky, mm-hmm. and if this is true, then that can't be, mm-hmm. right? It only makes more sense, <laughs> yeah. right? Even from, <laughs> even from the position where I would say my personal relationship mm-hmm. and what I've come to know from him, even that aside, just the logical rendering of it all, mm-hmm. it, it just doesn't reason. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. And if someone was to present this to me cold and say, you have two options, which of these seems the most likely? Mm-hmm. I just don't know how I could ever say the better process is evolution. Mm-hmm. And so, no, I, I don't find evolution to be a threat mm-hmm. because it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So I'm not threatened by the concept of evolution as the holding of the world that mm-hmm. I need to defend against. Right. And studying evolution only deepens my faith in a creative God. Right, right. Yeah. Well, so here, here's, a, here's a good analogy. Like, I was trying to find analogies to help people understand. Analogies are great. Because, because like, we, we did start out by saying, like, microevolution is a thing. Like, there are, there are small changes that can happen yep. to species. Right, yeah, over next time. Ep- the whole next episode. The whole next we're episode. Gonna we're, yeah, that. we're going to talk about that. So, like, if we were to, like, hop in your van, Tim, um, like, if I was like, hey, can you give me a ride to, like, Tavistock, mm-hmm. right? So we go like 10 miles to Tavistock, right? But theoretically, we go 10 miles to Tavistock or we go like we go like a thousand miles to like New York City, right? So micro macro, right? Like you can go a little ways over enough time, you can go a long ways. But if I was like, hey, Tim, can you give me a lift to the moon? And you're like, no, I can't because my car doesn't go that way. My car can go pretty far. Right, we put enough gas in it, and we we have enough time to drive. We we can go a great distance, but we're only we're only able to to travel on a particular plane, right? We we can't cars aren't designed to travel vertically, um, but it is a Honda Odyssey, <laughs> which is sort of like high class family stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. you know you're a dad. When you see someone driving a Honda Odyssey and you go, ooh. Oh, okay. Big spender. The new one. Honda Odyssey. <laughs> that's when you're middle class dad material. Yeah, that's awesome. We got ours used. It was a great deal. We did not We did not go big spender. It was what we could afford at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that, that's the analogy though, right? The idea is that like, because people would say, well, if small changes can happen, then big changes could happen. And you're like, mm-hmm. yes, to some degree within reason, right? But like, Again, the, that there's limitations to that. You can't just say, "Well, because you know, because Arctic wolves have a thicker fur than the ones who live further south, then surely some dog-like creature could become a whale." Like that's right. Because if mm-hmm. small changes, then big changes. It's like no, because there's there's only kind of lateral change that can happen within right. a certain level, within certain parameters. Mm-hmm. Which again, we'll we'll talk about on the next episode, but I think it's just helpful to be, for people to understand, like obviously there's going to be small changes. Um, and that is, that is by design. I would say, um, God creates creatures with adaptability. Um, you know, when we breed dogs or other animals, we see little changes, you know, we're talking, we can make bigger ones, smaller ones, ones that are even, even based on their personality, or not their personality, mm-hmm. rather, but their temperament. Yeah. Um, and, and I would say that's a real thing for survival. Sure. Right? Yeah. At every, I say everyone, not mm-hmm. everyone is involved in memes. But one of, the, one of the memes that I've seen for years and years that keeps coming up is some pathetic little dog <laughs> that is, has just been babied up to like this embarrassing degree. To the mm. point that I'm embarrassed for this dog. Right, right. Right? And then there's a picture of a wolf, like this timber wolf. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, you know, however many billion years of evolution, and this is what you get, right? 
that is for survival's sake. Sure. Because you know what's going to happen if that timber wolf comes in to the house? Yeah. You're going to take it out. Yeah, you're going to kill that thing. One of you is going to be taken out. Yeah, true. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> but if you, assuming the capacity, sure. the, the equipment that you would need on sure. hand. Sure. Right? Like people are going to people are going to kill the wolves, they're going to get rid of them, they don't mm-hmm. want them. Mm-hmm. But if that wolf were tamed and could convert itself into a, the means of becoming man's best friend mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. even a utility mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. sporting dogs would be, mm-hmm. then that dog is far more likely to survive yeah. because people are going to buy it, they're going to breed it, mm-hmm. and they're going to keep pushing it forward. Mm-hmm. So is your little teacup Maltese, <laughs> has it come to this as sort of like a means of survival of the fittest? Absolutely. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, and, and its weapon is not its physical capacity to kill and feed itself. Right. Its weapon is its cuteness. <laughs> because that's what we've become in society. Oh, man. We've, it, it's, it's a luxury society. Yeah, it, and, it really And so is. it doesn't have to be utilitarian in right. order to be survival. Right, right. I mean, right? they figure that, yeah, it was like, it was the wolves that were most docile like most like easygoing that were the first to kind of be used and bred sure. as dogs yeah. right because you're like okay this wolf understands that if it's good with me I'm good with it I'll give it food it's not going to eat my baby and mm-hmm. then you just breed those dogs yeah, they, I mean it's all speculation because we don't have like we don't yeah. have like ancient yeah. Sumerian texts of how they bred dogs yeah. 8,000 years but ago. But I don't hate it. Yeah, it's like whatever, right? But um, but yeah, but as much as you breed the dogs and as much as you can get a wide variety, um, you're just never going to get a flying dog or you're never going to get a cat or mm-hmm. anything. You're never going to get anything that can breed a cat. Which is a good thing. Which is a good thing. <laughs> Sorry, Morgan. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, here's the thing. Like, a lot of this... A lot of this is kind of projected as like as very settled science, but in 2016, so relatively recently, the Royal Society of London, which happened to be the same um, society that published a number of uh, Darwin's famous papers, they gathered together as the, as this as a society, and when they do these gatherings, they have these big questions, and their main question, this is in 2016, is does Darwinian natural selection explain biodiversity? So 150 years after Darwin's theories are made popular, generations of it being taught as like gospel truth in the education system. Um, the society from which like that was that Darwin was a part of um, are still asking the question like, does this really explain what we see? Mm-hmm. That's not settled. Um, and at the, so at the very least, like I think there, there has to be an awareness of that. That oftentimes in certain discussions with people, like they'll be like, "This is settled science. This is obviously true." And if you don't believe it, you've got your head in the sand. Um, so, did they did they answer the question? Did they come back with a yes or no? Because no, because you had people who said yes, and you had people who said no, and they agreed to disagree. Yeah, essentially, because because I would say I would say that's just good academics to some degree, mm-hmm. right? Like we still ask theological questions, mm-hmm. and then we affirm them. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Uh, not we don't just ask the question for the sake of affirming it. Mm-hmm. We, e- even in apologetics, right? What are we doing? We're we're asking questions that we've affirmed for a very long time, mm-hmm. and then saying, "Let's trace the logic of it. Does it make sense that we would affirm this?" Right, right. And then we answer that with yes or no. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if it, it would be interesting to to know, and I don't know if we ever will how the rising voice of no, it doesn't would work, right? Mm -hmm. Because as we've said before, it's career suicide one way or the other. Right. Right? It's very hard to do this honestly Mm -hmm. because those who would deny don't get a seat at the table. Right. Or if they come to a place where they would say, no, this no longer makes sense, they have so much to lose. Oh, yeah. Right, like unless you've got a job lined up with Ken Ham, like good luck. Right, and and so and so <laughs> it, it has it has become unfortunately binary. Oh, very much so. Yeah, and and that's a problem because we can't just assume that 
the answer is one or the other, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. There could also be a none of the, the none of the above mm-hmm. when it comes to the details of how things played out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's because, just not space in our society yeah. for that kind of nuance. Yeah, because like there are organizations that that kind of push back against Darwinian evolution, and the the some of the more prominent ones tend to be um, obviously like cr- Christian organizations. Yeah. But if you were, you know, a secular, and obviously we, we, we like as, as believers, we want to see secular people come to know the Lord. But if you're a, a secular scientist who has serious concerns and questions about this theory that's, that's, you know, is the basis of, you know, our current education system when it comes to, you know, origins and mm-hmm. biology and everything else. Um, like, okay, so like, what's your option? You leave there and like the only alternative is to go work for, for creation ministries. But like, if you're not ready to say it was six literal days, right. six 24 hour periods, you're not getting a job with them because they're not just creationists. They're very, very, very specific, mm-hmm. right? Young earth, the earth is exactly this old. It was six 24 hour periods and that's it. Right. And so like, that's a big jump. So like, there's no space. You're right. There's no space for for secular scientists who have these questions to like to keep working unless they want to go all the way there. And I'm not trying to say anything. I'm not I'm not even trying to knock creation ministry cuz like man, we used their VBS last year. Like we I'm I'm all for it. I've used them for some of my research even in this. So like I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying these secular scientists wouldn't be welcome there. Right, so yeah. that's why you don't have this middle ground. You don't. So it's either like either you're with the the Darwinian evolution to the T, or you know you're some crazy fundamentalist Christian. Um, and yeah, the, the 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 system right now is just kind of maintaining this this polarized situation. And so yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know if it'll ever be fixed. So. Yeah. Well, it's up to you to fix it. So you better figure it out. I don't want to. The whole world. I got bigger fish to fry. The whole. You do. You have bigger fish to fry than. I got bigger the, fish to fry than settle the binary the, nature of society. Yeah. <laughs> the gospel. Um, yeah. Boom. No, I, I just. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, I don't know. Not not my not my cup of tea. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, and, and it's unfortunate because I, I would say again like. Uh, I, I don't know that some of the the evidences that that the far end of conservative Christian would use mm-hmm. are necessarily less speculative, right? Sometimes they it's they a bit come sketchy. with a lot of trying to put pieces together. We're going to talk about that in the third mm-hmm. episode of the day. Mm-hmm. Who knows how much coffee we'll have between now and then? <laughs> now that, that I found out there's there's a store downstairs, I'm, I'm that could be a great episode. <laughs> it could also just be rambling nonsense brutal yeah because it's just coffee mixed with exhaustion mixed with things that will upset people but it's okay it'll be fun yeah are we done with this one you know what i think i'm good on this yeah i think i'm too i i I think i think the point that i wanted to drive home in this episode Mm -hmm. is um oftentimes when micro and macro evolution are presented the way that it's taught is that Microevolution is the immediately observable. We can see it take place. Mm -hmm. And it is the evidence of the success of the greater process of evolution as a macro. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. That you can see this happening is proof that the other thing is happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But they are two different things. Because what is happening in the little thing is happening for reasons, right? Survival, immediacy, uh, food stores, as we were talking about, those kinds of necessities for adjustment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And all the notions that these things would change across to a different species are not there. And as you mentioned, when they are, they're often broken. Mm-hmm. Get excited about one. Maybe this is a link, right? Mm-hmm. As we talked about last time, we keep talking about the missing link as if there's just this one thing that needs to be found. But the problem is there are no links right. being found right. anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we have is not a chain at all. 
have just individual pieces lying around yeah. that need to be linked. Right. Um, and, and, and even when there's excitement around a potential link, mm. then we find evidence to the opposite. No, maybe this did actually come before. So mm-hmm. if we have one from before and one from after, maybe they coexisted. Mm-hmm. And we're not even talking about a shift over time. We're just talking about contemporaneous creatures. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, all, all of this is not just to throw a smoke screen because we've complained about that in the past. When sure. people don't give answers and they just throw up a smoke screen and say questions, 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 they overwhelm you with questions mm-hmm. um, in such a way as only to create doubt. Right. Our point is to say evolution is often presented as if there is no doubt. Mm-hmm. And that's not true. Right. And it shouldn't be true mm-hmm. because there are unanswered questions. Right. And asking these questions of an evolutionist. So if we again if we have an evolutionist listening, it's been a long time since we made a joke about only having two listeners. I can't imagine that after 4 years of podcasting, mm. one of our two listeners is an evolutionist. Probably not. <laughs> not by this point. But let's assume that one of these gives it to an evolutionist friend of his. Sure. We get a third listener. Uh, and we have a third, uh, momentarily, Yes, our third very listener Very hesitant, comes very in. critical. Yes. The point is not to say, because we can ask good questions of evolution that can't be answered, mm-hmm. that question automatically means, it automatically assumes a creative God. Mm-hmm. It's to say, there's reason for you to question this position. Yeah. Yeah. And... You want to come back and say, are there reasons for you to question your position? Mm-hmm. I'd be like, yes. Yeah, for 100%. sure. 100%. And I'm oh, going yeah. to spend the next year doing a podcast wrestling. on those questions, yeah. wrestling through them to show you why I landed where I am. Mm-hmm. And if you want to do that, awesome. I'm game for it. Mm-hmm. I'll mm-hmm. listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, we got we to gotta take a break, come back Coffee. and do it again. Coffee. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada. It's produced by Alex Walker. See ya. Bye.